You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 116, Mr. Moon Pie. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of You Don't Know Flat. This episode is all about Mr. Moonpie, an old friend of mine that you're probably not familiar with unless uh, you've been hanging around my forum or uh, where I use her on my old BBS. But um, by the end of this podcast, you'll know exactly who Mr. Moonpie is, and uh, it's kind of an interesting tale, so I think you'll enjoy that. Before we get started today, um, I just jotted down a few news items. Um, I just got back from vacation. My family and I went to, uh, we actually drove from Oklahoma City to Seattle, which is about 2,000 miles. And then once we got in Seattle, we took a cruise from Seattle to Alaska. Uh, So the cruise was a week, and then the drive to and from Seattle combined was also a week. So uh, we were out for a a solid two weeks, and uh, man, uh, Alaska is just absolutely beautiful. It was really cool to go up there and... and, uh, You'll see the glaciers and um, the icebergs floating around, you know, as you're as you're going through in the cruise ship, and uh, we just had a really good time. Not uh, not anything too retro related, but uh, it was a good break from work and good break from uh, being on the internet for a little bit. I also added five states to the my list of states that I've visited, so um, uh, I am now been in forty five of our fifty states, which is pretty good for a guy who. Uh, doesn't like flying so most of those states i have driven to from oklahoma fortunately oklahoma is uh, centrally located in the middle of the country so uh i can <laughs> i can get to lots of states and alaska is one that uh i'd kind of written off i didn't plan on uh, ever going to alaska but um fortunately the cruise ship will take you right there so anyway hawaii is going to be a tough one i'm looking for someone to come up with a uh Maybe a cruise. Maybe I'll take a cruise to Hawaii. Or someone needs to build a really long bridge. But anyway, uh, so back from vacation. Also this weekend, I was at OVGE, the Oklahoma Video Game Expo. Uh, OVGE, this was the ninth annual OVGE. So next year will be the 10th anniversary show. So that should be a really good one. Had a good time, as always, at OVGE. Uh, Jesse Hardesty and, and Vicky uh, Hardesty now. Congratulations, Jesse and Vicky. Um they put together a great show every year, so uh, that's a lot of fun. If you're into uh, retro video games, uh, retro computer games, there are uh, tons of things to buy, sell, look at, play. There are always uh, uh, Lucas and uh, Ed Martin always bring pinball machines and arcade machines set up on free play for people to play. It's just a good time for uh, all ages. It's a very uh, family, family-friendly family show. So, um, yeah, OBGE. That was a blast. My thunder, or uh, my table this year, the the theme was uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder, who are in the playoffs, and last night just went down 1-3 to the Miami Heat. So I suppose by the next time, unfortunately, the next time I do a podcast uh, will probably be all about how the Thunder 
uh, we're eliminated from the playoffs, but we still got hope, folks. We're still in there. So, um, uh, but anyway, yeah, my table was dedicated to the Thunder. We had some cool Thunder uh, decorations hung up, and I had three systems. I had a, a Nintendo playing Double Dribble, uh, an original PlayStation, mostly playing NBA Showtime, and then I had my Commodore 64 set up, uh, alternating between one-on-one, the Electronic Arts version of one-on-one, and uh, what else did we have? Uh, street Sports Basketball from uh, uh, Epics, I think. Uh, they had that stuff. Actually, i got to give a shout-out to uh, Earl Green, from the logbook.com. Earl actually had his table set up, uh, dedicated to his new Doctor Who book called uh, V Warp One Exclamation Mark, <laughs> I think, or Warp. I don't know how to say that, but um, if you go to the logbook.com, you can check out uh, Earl's new book, uh, dedicated to Doctor Who, and also Earl uh, with his uh, combination of tablets and uh, mini form netbooks and adapters and SD card readers and internet access and all these other things he magic magically pulled together for me and got the uh, disc image I had of one-on-one was corrupt when I got to the show so Earl was able to uh, put a lot of things together very quickly and get me uh, get me that software so kudos to uh, to Earl and uh, he really he really bailed me out there uh, I'm still writing for the retroist uh, retroist.com so uh, and we've started a new feature they're they're trying to move uh into the realm of video posts as well so i've posted two episodes of uh, a new series there that we're calling looking back with flack on episode one of looking back with flack uh i talk about my uh 19 and 1 multi williams arcade game and in the second one i cover uh the uh, rebel transport toy from star wars so Pretty much uh, the uh, scope is more than just uh, uh, retro video games and computers and electronics and um, kind of what uh, you don't know Flack is about. But um, if you go to uh, robohara.com whenever there's a a new uh, uh, issue or whatever you would call it, the episode of Looking Back with Flack, I'll always post that. So... uh, uh, com. you can always get updates of whatever I'm up to speaking of uh, things I'm up to the gas chamber my forum is looking for new members so if you want to come hang out talk about uh, retro gaming video games computers technology all that kind of stuff uh, you can visit the gas chamber it's just uh, one word the gas chamber dot com, or you could just uh, go to com. look on the right hand side there's a link for the gas chamber you'll have to uh, fill out account I don't know that um, forums are the future, to be honest with you. I think uh, I see a, uh, most of the forums I'm on, I see activity dwindling. I see a lot of people moving towards Facebook, Twitter, uh, other types of social media. So, um, uh, But the forum's up. So uh, if you want to come hang out with us, talk about the podcast, uh, give feedback on the podcast, suggest new uh, topics for the podcast talk about uh, my books or any of the other projects I'm working on, or there's lots of other uh, little sub-forums uh, with topics. So anything uh, you want to come hang out with us, that's where to do it, thegaschamber.robohara.com. Uh, speaking of websites, I'm kicking around the idea of launching a game-related website. I'm not sure on this yet. Uh, I have a history of 
getting excited about projects, setting up projects, and then abandoning projects. Um, and I know that about myself. When you, you've you been around yourself for a long time, you know uh, how you operate. So, uh, But anyway, uh, I'm just kind of kicking this idea around. If I do it, uh, it's going to be dedicated to old games. Uh, I think I'll probably limit the scope to uh, uh, Commodore, Commodore games, Apple games, uh, DOS games, probably that. I'm... I'm I would probably include, um, just because uh, I've been such a uh, uh, iPhone, iPad guy lately, I will probably include uh, retro games for iOS as well. Um, uh, in fact, on our vacation, we had uh, both iPads going and just rotating through chargers. And I was uh, it's funny how many retro games are available for those systems. Uh, we played Dragon's Lair. We played um, Mad Dog McCree, the old Laserdisc game. Um, and even retro licenses. Uh, there's a new uh, racing-type game uh, that featured Woody Woodpecker and uh, the people from uh, characters from the Woody Woodpecker franchise. So there's still lots of retro stuff on there. Um, so uh, I may include that. But anyway, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested in feedback. If you want to email me... Uh, uh, you can email me at uh, flack at or Rob O'Hara, either one, at uh, robohara.com. And uh, let me know if you think that um, there's room in the world for uh, another game-related website or if uh, uh, perhaps there's enough already out there. So, Well, basically that's what I've been up to over the last month. I'm trying to uh, stay pretty timely on these podcasts. They're about a month apart uh, at right now over the last two or three, so that's that's um, pretty good, staying on course. Um the only, the only other thing I thought I'd mention is um, uh, those of you on the forums, I, I mentioned it on a, a couple of podcasts ago that I purchased a Blue Yeti microphone for the computer. And the Blue Yeti has been working pretty well, but um, I'm a little dis- I was disappointed a little bit in the quality. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. I listened to some of the demos on their website. I didn't think... Uh, my microphone sounded as good as theirs, but it turns out I've had the thing facing backwards the entire time. So I've been talking into the wrong side of the mic for the last two months. I've now turned the microphone around forward. That's what I get for not checking YouTube videos uh, and looking at uh, other people using the mic. And the mic now works much better. <laughs> I think the quality of the mic is much better now. Um, I've experimented with uh, plugging the mic into the iPad as well, and um, apparently there's been an upgrade with uh, iOS that doesn't allow this anymore. It limits the amount of voltage draw from a USB device, but with a USB hub, with a powered hub, I can plug the mic in uh, using the camera adapter, which is USB to iPad, um, and the mic works, and the quality is exactly like what you're hearing now on the iPad. So uh, in the future, if uh, any episodes of you don't know flat go on the road, I may take that configuration out with me. So we'll see how that goes. Well, anyway, uh, that's enough about what's been going on. Let's get started with the story of Mr. Moonpie. I was eight years old in the summer of 1982 when my father sold our TRS-80 Model 3 home computer and purchased an Apple II clone computer known as the Franklin Ace 1000. It was on that computer that I began using a modem to call local bulletin boards, or BBSs. When I began modeming, I chose the name Robbie Franklin as my alias. Uh, Robbie was my first name at the time, or what I went by, 
and Franklin was the type of computer I was using. Now, back then, a lot of adults, mostly, uh, simply used their real name when calling BBSs. Some people used aliases, but there were uh, definitely a lot of people that used their real name. So I think a lot of people thought my real name was just Robbie Franklin. A few years later, I began calling a BBS called Midnight at the Oasis. The system operator, or SysOp, was a woman named Jessica Stoltz. Jessica described herself as being tall with long, flowing red hair, and in my head I imagined she looked something like Jessica Rabbit from the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, like many BBSs, a year or two later the phone number stopped responding and the board was just simply gone. It actually happened a lot in those days. BBSs would uh, just simply disappear due to a hardware error or a change of heart by the sysop sometimes, and you might never find out what actually happened to it or you know why it was offline. So anyway, several years later, I went to this uh, local picnic being helped by a group of local sysops and BBS users. And I guess that's something else we used to do back then. When people called BBSs, we also got together in real life. And so anyway, I'm hanging out at this picnic, and a friend of mine is pointing out people to me and telling me who they are. And sitting on this park bench across from us is a older, somewhat overweight guy. And my friend says, you know, that's so-and-so and told me who he was, and then he says, you know, he, he was Jessica Stoltz. I remember saying, what do you mean he was Jessica Stoltz? Like, he was married to Jessica Stoltz, or, you know, something? And then the guy explained to me that Jessica Stoltz was just this made-up name that he had used for his BBS. It was just a mind-blowing experience to me. Um, I think that was the first time I actually realized that people on the other side of the screen might not be who they told me they were. I'm not talking about people that, you know, made up aliases. Like, I remember there was a guy that was, uh, you know, Falcor the Luck Dragon. Obviously, I, <laughs> I knew that it wasn't a dragon on the other side of the screen. But when people used real names, I just assumed that uh, those people were who they said they were. That that whole event made a big impression on me. So a few years later, after the picnic, I had launched my own BBS called The Gas Chamber. If you want to know more about that BBS, you can check out podcast episode 111, which I dedicated the entire thing to the gas chamber. So at this time, this would have been like um, 1994. And I had been helping other people run their BBSs for probably 10 years at this time. So I knew what was involved in running one, but I had just never run one from my own house on my own hardware. And by the way, I had someone leave me a comment after episode 111 Um in regards to the BBS and my forum, which are both called the Gas Chamber. And um, this person was from Germany, and he basically told me that, at least in Germany, the gas chambers are considered to be pretty offensive, um, which I could totally understand. And um, I I guess I should explain where that name came from. I think I probably did in episode 111, but um, I've always been into music, and so when I was looking for BBS names and, and um, you know, names for projects, things like that, I was always, I would, like, go through song lyrics and album covers, things like that, and try to find good ones. Sometimes I would just, like, write down lists that I would find of those, um, like, little phrases or words, things that I thought were cool. And then when I needed a name for a project or for an alias or something like that, I would just refer to that list. Um, and, you know, a lot of times those would just be uh, something kind of dark, because I think that would be cool, you know. And one album that I remember having at that time was Ice Cube's Lethal Injection. So I had actually considered calling the BBS Lethal Injection. But um, later on, when we were working on Souls at Zero, and we were looking for um, names to pad out the user list, we used uh, Lethal Injection in that. 
So um, I was just kind of brainstorming other things like lethal injection. And so that's how I came up with the gas chamber. Uh, so really I was thinking of like scary things I knew, like the death penalty and stuff like that. I really had no connection with Germany or the Holocaust or anything like that. And, and you know, back then, BBSs, at least, um, you know, my BBS and things like that were mostly made up of local users, people in Oklahoma. So I would have never have dreamed that um, anybody from Germany would ever even hear of my BBS. Uh, but, of course, you know, now with things on the on the Internet, you know, uh, it's out there. But, um, so I realized that, um, to someone from Germany, the name, the gas chamber is kind of like calling your BBS, uh, you know, the hangman's noose or something in the deep South. Uh, so I apologize for that. It was not ever intended to offend anybody. It was just, uh, something scary that I used at the time. So anyway, back to the gas chamber, uh, through email and in some of the message areas, there were, uh, Lots of, let's say, illicit things going on. Uh, there were people talking about wares and stealing software and uh, codes, like different things you could use to get free phone calls and all kinds of things like that. And it was pretty much the worst kept secret in the BBS world that things like that were going on on my BBS. Uh, and we get new users and people I've never heard of before. You know, they would call in and they would be like, you know, so where's all the illegal stuff to download? And for a while I would just try to act dumb and go, you know, what are you talking about? And then they would respond with, uh, you know, don't give me any crap. Just give me the goods. <laughs> and so if I didn't give people where's access, you know, uh, I had some people actually threaten me. Like there was this one guy that I kicked off my BBS because he was just, you know, downloading over and over and over. He would never upload, so I kicked him off. And then that night he called my home phone number, and he said if I didn't let him back on, he was going to turn me over to the FBI. Um... And I was like 20, maybe 21 years old at the time, you know, and I really didn't want to go to federal prison because somebody was downloading Wing Commander. So I just added this guy back on. Um, you know, a lot of the BBS users I had weren't 18 yet. So, uh, but me being over the age of 18, I always kind of had to have one eye to uh, keep things low key a little bit. So, now a little side story here. You're going to have to know this story. In the uh, spring of 94, my wife and I, uh, my dad's neighborhood has a neighborhood garage sale where everybody in the neighborhood has a garage sale on the same day. And we've been going to this since uh, we were little kids, probably ever since we moved into the neighborhood, which would have been the late 70s. Um, but in 94, my wife and I had attended the neighborhood garage sales. And um, we were actually riding bikes around the neighborhood looking uh, for different things. And we had gone to this house and... Right at the front of the garage was this giant stuffed banana. Uh, I mean, giant. He's like four foot tall or something. And he had a face silk screened on the front of him. And uh, I'm pretty sure we paid like a quarter maybe or something for him, you know. And then we had to ride back home on these bicycles. And she put this banana on the front handlebars. And uh, we were just driving around with this banana. We thought it was so hilarious. And... Um, I thought the banana looked like the banana that was on the cover of, uh, you remember those old moon pie sandwiches, like the kind of dessert treats that had marshmallow in the middle, but I thought he looked like that. So we just started calling him Mr. Moon Pie. So anyway, back to the story about the BBS. Um, at this point I'd been running the gas chamber for a few months 
And what I really found was that I was good at the technical parts of running a BBS. Um, I like modifying and, you know, customizing the files, coming up with graphics and stuff and, and doing coding to make it look original and changing stuff around. Uh, and I was good at networking, um, not just computer networking, but like social networking, you know, and working out trades to get people to upload software and things like that. But what I was bad at was dealing with people. And I had a lot of people at that point that were just abusing the system. Uh, I would have people log on and then, uh, you know, back then each user had a time limit. So people might have like two hours a day to use the BBS. So people would just get on and tie up the BBS for two hours downloading games, like not posting messages or, you know, doing any of the stuff that I liked. Um, so then to stop that, I put in a file ratio, which was pretty relaxed, like maybe 1 to 10 or something like that. So you could download 10 games for every one game you uploaded. But then people would log on and upload like tiny music files, like mod files, that were like 5K each, and they would upload a million of those. And then they could just go download, you know, all the, the games and stuff forever and just tie the BBS up. Uh, and then at one point I put in a post ratio, which meant you had to post like you can only download files for every post that you put, you know, to try to get people going into the forums. Uh, and then people would just go to the forum, respond to the first post and say something like me too, or ha ha, you know, uh, and then they would just go right to download. So, so I was kind of getting desperate at this point to find a way to deal with these people. And, um, I don't know, maybe in the back of my mind, I was thinking about Jessica Stoltz in that story, you know, but I came up with that idea of having Mr. Moon Pie be my co up. And so that way, when I needed to kick somebody off the board, I wouldn't have to do it. I would just have Mr. Moonpie do it. Uh, so when somebody was being an ass on the forums, I could just attack them as Mr. Moonpie. And so Mr. Moonpie could do all the dirty work and act like a jerk, and nobody would be mad at me. So that's originally how Mr. Moonpie was born. Now, at the same time... Uh, the Brotherhood of 405, TBH 405, uh, I've, I've referenced in some of my podcast and stories, uh, was being formed by a guy who went by Yawn T, and his name was Brian. So I had let Brian in on this secret, and it really was a secret because if people found out that it was Mr. Moonpie doing all these things, then again, they would just be mad at me. So um, we didn't want... Uh, you know, anybody to know that Mr. Moonpie wasn't an actual real person. So uh, what Yon T did was made Mr. Moonpie a member of TBH 405. In fact, Mr. Moonpie almost became like a mascot. Like they would use, uh, you know, a picture of a banana for different things. And he ended up on a lot of logos and stuff. And, and Brian, he was an amazing artist. Uh, so he would start, like he started making all these demos uh, and drawings and menus and stuff for my BBS that had Mr. Moonpie on it. Um, and so it kind of became like this representation, I guess, of, uh, of TBH, you know. So we would have, um, like, I know a guy's named Rivas and um, Gattapero, and I'm trying to think of, like, all these people, uh, Mr. Spock, that were great programmers. And, uh, of course, I uh, uh, can't forget... Buster Friendly, Leprechaun. Uh, but, um, so these guys would come up, you know, with uh, TBH four or five demos or whatever, and it was not uncommon to see pictures of uh, Mr. Moonpie and those things. So, now, 
this group of uh, local computer hackers, or whatever you want to call us, the uh, TBH 405, the Brotherhood of 405, uh, began throwing parties. And these parties were called gatherings. So after attending three, I guess, three gatherings, I decided that I would host the fourth. Now these weren't just like a normal party where people got together and played video games and stuff. No, they were always out of control beer fests. <laughs> but um, so Susan and I were living in a mobile home at the time. We weren't married yet. This is um, about probably about six months to a year before we got married. And um, since we were living in this mobile home, there was a, a guest house up at the front of the park where you could rent and have parties. So we reserved that guest house, and I sent out electronic invitations, and I promised that um, we would have network gaming, which was basically uh, a bunch of 486s connected together so that we could play Doom 2 at the time. Uh, I also had retro gaming where I had set up uh, an Atari 2600 and my Commodore 64. And I also announced that Mr. Moonpie would be attending the party. So this definitely got some interest from uh, certain people because no one had met Mr. Moonpie and there was only a, a small select group of people who knew that Mr. Moonpie wasn't real. Uh, so Mr. Moonpie was there. I took Mr. Moonpie, the stuffed animal, up to this party and um, Yonti and his, bro or, uh, his buddy uh, Prong proceeded to get really drunk. And they started beating up Mr. Moonpie. And uh, they were, we had, you know, like loud uh, metal music. And they were, uh, you know, moshing around and jumping off the furniture and like onto Mr. Moonpie. So they were moshing with Mr. Moonpie, um, this stuffed banana. And uh, then it became like a wrestling match somehow. And they were, you know, doing body slams of Mr. Moonpie. They were jumping off the furniture and landing on Mr. Moonpie. Um, did I mention that I had rented a keg for this party, which in retrospect was probably a bad idea. Uh, but yeah, so Mr. Moonpie, you know, uh, they were pile driving him, body slamming and jumping on him. Uh, and by the end of the day, Mr. Moonpie was in pretty bad shape. Uh, I remember that uh, part of his face was missing. <laughs> the silkscreen face that had been put on there. And uh, I know at least one seam had got busted out, so I don't remember who fixed that. I don't remember if my wife or somebody fixed that. But um, So that was kind of the time when the secret got out, but that was only for the people that came to the party, and still not all those people understood that that stuffed animal was Mr. Moonpie and that I was actually Mr. Moonpie online. So because he'd, he'd been around you know, for so long now that people just got used to him uh, being a real person. Now at that same party, um, Susan had this drink cooler. It was, um, soft it, like a purse or not a purse, like a satchel, let's say. Um, but it was shaped like a fish. I mean, and it had, it was printed on the side. It looked like a realistic fish. Um, I don't remember where she got it from, but it, inside it was lined and you could put, um, you know, like cans of soda or beer or whatever, and it would keep it cool. Uh, and so we had brought that to the party, and I guess it was laying by Mr. Moonpie, and I don't remember uh, who named him, but somehow somebody started calling him Mr. Codfish. So Mr. Codfish never, like, became part of the BBS, really, or anything, but, um, 
he will be appearing later in the story. But that's where Mr. Codfish was born. So now, the following year, fast forward a little bit, and my wife and I uh, had gotten married, and we moved out of the trailer park and into a house, and um, we had this stupid little dog named Leroy, who loved to chew on things, this little black um, puppy, and he would just chew on everything. And one day I came home, and Leroy was eating Mr. Moon Pie's face, and I don't even know what would cause a dog to do that. I mean, there are a million things that a dog might want to chew, so I don't know why he picked Mr. Moonpie's face of all things to choose, but he did. Um, so his eye was already having issues from Yanti and Prong jumping on him repeatedly. Um, but now it was like most of his face was gone because my stupid dog Leroy ate his face. So those were some pretty dark times at that point for Mr. Moonpie. So let's talk about some of the projects that involve Mr. Moonpie. Now, as users began making the transition from BBSs to the internet, uh, a lot of my BBS users began moving to IRC, which is inter-relay chat, uh, or internet relay chat, I guess. Uh, that's a place where people can go chat in real time. Uh, you can have dozens or even hundreds of people all in the same area all chatting. And I was using MIRC, which is a uh, popular client for Windows back then. And you could write uh, little scripts to run in MIRC to do things, automate systems. And uh, the, the scripting language was pretty robust. Um, and so I wrote a script, uh, a bot, you might say, uh, named Mr. Moonpie. And so Mr. Moonpie would sit in IRC and look just like a real person. Uh, but what it was doing is scanning everything that everybody said and looking for uh, specific uh, words or phrases. And then when it would see those words, it would pull a random response out of a uh, flat text file, uh, not even a database. But um, uh, so Mr. Moonpie, and then if nobody had, if it hadn't uh, said anything in a while, there was a timer. So like every five or ten minutes. Um, if nobody had said anything, it would just throw out a random comment. He might just say something like exactly, or, you know, I agree or, Hmm, you know, something like that. Uh, but as I, I spent quite a bit of time tweaking, uh, the Mr. Moonpie bot for IRC and uh, there were actually people that would visit the channel and think that it was a real person. And since it was running in windows on MIRC, I could always flip over to that, uh, window and actually talk to people too. So, you know, if someone, if I happened to, to be looking at it and someone started talking to Mr. Moon Pie, I could hop over. So that really added to the illusion uh, that it was a real person sitting there all the time. Now, there was also a Mr. Moon Pie video game that Yon T worked on. Like I said, Yon T was a great uh, artist, he did uh, some incredible graphics and stuff. So I don't know that the Mr. Moonpie video game ever got past the planning stages, but I do remember seeing some sprites and artwork uh, that was intended for the game. And then there were three Mr. Moonpie movies. <laughs> um, the very first one that I made was a parody of Cops, and, and it was called Moon. And it started because Yon T... Uh, had taken these videos, they were like, 
I mean, these terrible resolution videos back then, you know, we're still talking um, late 90s here, uh, mid to late 90s. Uh, and there were these videos being uploaded to the internet in terrible, like, really shoddy um, quick time format of uh, scenes from cops, like where, uh, you know, people would resist arrest and be getting beaten up or things like that. And so what Yanti had done is gone into these videos, edited them, and in the people's, uh, like over their faces, he had put Mr. Moonpie's face. <laughs> so Mr. Moonpie was like getting pepper sprayed and, and arrested and things like that. So he sent me these videos, and we thought that was pretty funny. And I was like, well, maybe we could turn this into a movie or something. Uh, so he's, like I said, he sent me the, the videos. And I had recently moved to Spokane, Washington. So I was driving around Spokane filming all these live action scenes. Um, like I was pretending like I was a cop and that I was looking for Mr. Moonpie, uh, to arrest. And then, um, you know, then I would switch over and swap in the video file that Brian had created. Um, so it wasn't like we had a movie and then we made special effects for it. It was like Brian had made these video clips and we tried to make a movie around it. So as you can imagine, it was like really terrible, you know, <laughs> um, like there was this one scene where I had pulled up to a warehouse and, um, okay, this is like on a weekend. So I'm driving by this warehouse and I see a forklift outside. So I thought it would be funny if I arrested Mr. Moonpie because he was drunk and trying to steal a forklift. So I pull up to this warehouse and then I get this giant stuffed banana out of the back of my car and go up and prop him up in this forklift <clears throat> so then I can drive away in my car and put the, the camcorder on my dash so that that way, you know, then I could pull up and I would get the shot of Mr. Moonpie being there. And then I had to do it again um, to get the opposite angle of me pulling up into the parking lot. So I had to, with a, a banana propped up in a forklift, in front of a warehouse that I do not know anybody at this place. Now I had to go hide my camcorder in these bushes while it was recording, get in my car, drive a block away, do a U-turn and pull back up, you know? So, uh, the whole time I'm doing this, I'm, I, I, I filmed the entire thing by myself. I think Susan might've helped me with a scene or two, but it was really embarrassing to, um, uh, you know, be running around with a giant stuffed banana. So I don't think I subjected her, uh, to too much of that, but, um, but yeah, so the whole time I'm doing this, I'm just like hoping that, you know, nobody sees me or worse is that somebody does see me. And then as I'm driving around, they run and steal the camcorder, uh, which would have been the end of the video uh, and the camcorder. So, um, but anyway, so that, so that was the first movie that we made called Moon. Um, and then, so now you have to keep in mind during all this time that there is no YouTube and there is no, I mean, everybody on the internet, uh, home users are all dial up. There's no home high speed internet at this point. Some people, mostly, uh, people at universities, college students have access to some high speed, but there is no, um, high speed for home users. And like I said, there's no YouTube. So there's really no way for us to post these online. There's really no online per se. I mean, there, there's static web pages, but, um, so yeah, we were really making these videos just 
something funny to do for us, you know, and not really, there was nowhere place to put them online at that time. So the second movie I made with Mr. Moon Pie was an X-Files parody called The Moon Files. I think the idea just came from uh, some artwork that Yonti had done where he had written a logo uh, that said The Moon Files in the style of The X-Files, and then um, instead of The Truth is Out There, it just said The Banana is Out There, or something like that. So um, again, this movie was just made by me, um, and I was still working uh, in a government building in Spokane, and on the weekends, nobody was ever in the building. And it looked just like a typical government building. So I thought, well, there's this you know, great place to film a movie. So uh, one Sunday morning, I went up there and took my camcorder. And of course, um, you know, even though you're not doing anything wrong, you still don't want to be caught by your coworkers dragging around a giant stuffed banana <laughs> around your work, you know. So I've got this... Um, I've got Mr. Moon Pie, and I've got all these other props, like a little tiny um, bendy action figure alien. And uh, I found a action figure. I think it was for a... There was a TV show called Bananas in Pajamas or something like that, but uh, it kind of resembled Mr. Moon Pie. So I had that, and a remote-controlled doom buggy, and a toy UFO, and uh Mr. Codfish, and all these other silly things, you know. Um, so I'm dragging them up to work, and then I spent this whole day just kind of making them a script on the fly, basically, <laughs> and setting up all these shots. Like, um, you know, I got up on a ladder, and I hung this cardboard cutout of a UFO in front of the window, so it would be in the background of the shot. And uh, then I, you know, drove around this remote-controlled doom buggy with uh, Mr. Moon Pie driving it and the alien in the back. And... Um, of course, you know, in every shot that I'm working on, I always have one ear open waiting for somebody to come in the front door, and then I'm going to have to, you know, scoop up all these dumb props and, and run to my office, uh, either that or try to explain why I'm coming into work on the weekends with a, a giant stuffed banana, you know. But um, And I think in the movie, uh, it's been a while. I don't think that I have... Uh, well, it was never really finished, but... Uh, I don't know that I even have it on videotape anymore, but um, Mr. Moon Pie was kind of like Mulder, and then his boss was Mr. Codfish, and then there was the alien, and it was all just pretty stupid. <laughs> just for something to do, you know, with Mr. Moon Pie. Um, and, uh, you know, I mentioned a camcorder. That's one thing uh, that I should bring up, is that these were all done uh, analog. There was no um, digital... I mean, not not in the world, but that we didn't have access to at that time. There was no digital uh, cameras or uh, digital editing on the PC or anything like that. So, uh, you know, like I would shoot these videos with the camcorder and then copy them over to the to a VHS, and that's how I would edit them. And and then sometimes I, I would do it over. I would speak one line of dialogue, like if I were talking to Mr. Moon Pie, I would speak my line of dialogue when I was filming, and then when I was dubbing it over, I would run the audio through a mixing board that I got at Radio Shack for about 13 cents uh, with a microphone that they threw in for free, and I would um, do the other lines of, uh, like Mr. Moon Pie's lines or whatever, so it was a very manual process, and it was very terrible. <laughs> Like when I see um, things now that are on YouTube or done with uh, 
iMovie or whatever it's called, or um, you know, even the the software that I use just to do these podcasts are just light years ahead of um, what I had available at the time. You know, so like I said, uh, I don't think any of the videos came out how I imagined them, which is pretty sad because I imagined they would be terrible. And so they didn't even come out to be as good as terrible. They came out worse than terrible. They were on the terrible end of terrible. And then there was a third movie that was um, Mr. Moon Pie, and it was based on the O.J. Simpson trial. And I came up with this idea, I, I guess um, since O.J. Simpson's name sounded like O.J. Uh, or Orange Juice, that I would recreate the uh, O.J. Simpson trial, but film it in my refrigerator. So I cut out all these little, like, paper eyeballs and mouths and stuff and turned all these foods in my refrigerator into the actors. Uh, There was, um, I know it's been a while, there was Judge Lance Ito, and he, Lance Ito, was played by a frozen burrito. Um, There was uh, Martha Clark... I think that was her name, became Martha Marshmallow. And then OJ was just this little bottle of orange juice. <clears throat> and um, Mr. Moonpie, I used that action figure. He was the defense attorney. Um, I think his assistant was Mr. Codfish, which was just a fish stick <laughs> with a face tape to it. Um, let's see what... Oh, there was the jury, which was a dozen eggs that I had just drawn faces on, like different faces, with a Sharpie. So I spent like 10 minutes writing all these terrible food jokes and stuff, and it really didn't go anywhere. And then at the end of the movie, like certain scenes, I would um, put the camcorder inside the fridge and then close the door back, you know, so it would look like, um, you know, it was in taking place inside the refrigerator. And then later I was going to dub all these uh, clips over to VHS tape and edit it, but uh, it never got edited. I, I had all the original footage somewhere but the, there's it's never been cut together maybe someday i'll throw it into the computer and actually because you could do it in a computer in like two minutes um but of course back then like i said it was uh pretty difficult to do and then i didn't i remember i didn't have an ending to the movie like i didn't know how the court case would end so at one point i just opened like myself i opened up the refrigerator while the camcorder was in there and just started eating all the food uh like i drank oj simpson and um, ate the marshmallows that were Martha Marshmallow in them. So that was how that ended. Um, but then, uh, at, I guess, let's see, we had that movie. There was the beginning of a fourth movie, which um, Brian Yonti had come up with, and he had sent me this idea that um, Mr. Moonpie would have attempted suicide, and he was depressed, and then I would find him and talk him out of it. And so then the movie would be me. Um, notice how these movies always have me in the stupid roles. Nobody else wants to act with a four-foot-tall stuffed banana. So um, but uh, so anyway, the idea would be that I would want to talk to Mr. Moonpie. I want to talk him out of killing himself. And the way that that would be done is I would talk about... Um, it would be basically a flashback movie. And I would say, oh, remember the time that this happened or remember the time that we did that. And then I would, it would be all the, these other smaller movies that we had done. So I could say like, remember, you know, you were a successful, um, alien investigator. And then, you know, there would be a flashback and then we would show that movie. So, um, so anyway, 
uh, you know, with all those, those movies were all like 10 minutes long or something. So we were, you know, with the fluff in the middle and stuff, it would have been like an hour long movie. And I actually shot a lot of the bumper pieces, um, like the parts where I was talking to Mr. Moonpie. I never dubbed in Mr. Moonpie's voice. Um, but, uh, I was just recently going through some old videotapes and, before I throw away a videotape, I always put it in the VCR and I'll, and at least I watch it on fast forward. Sometimes I'll leave it on regular speed, but I always just fast forward through them to make sure I'm not throwing it away anything. And, and I had forgotten that I had actually shot any of this. It was weird watching myself on screen, uh, and having no recollection at all of filming this, but there's a scene of Mr. Moon Pie in the bathroom and I've covered the wall with ketchup or something. So, um, but I never got around apparently to dubbing Mr. Moonpie's lines on this, so I have, I don't really remember what the dialogue was going to be. And then there's a a shot of um, a Lego car with a miniature Mr. Moonpie in it and some other stuff. But um, yeah, that that was um, that one was never finished or anything like that. So um, and like I said, the problem with these videos is that there was just there was no YouTube, so there was no way to spread these around. You couldn't put them up uh, online. For people to download, it would take forever. And even if you, you compressed it down, it would either be horrible resolution or like, you know, the size of a of a uh, postage stamp. And uh, I was, like I said, I was living in Spokane and everybody else that was involved in uh, uh, TBH 405 was still in Oklahoma. So I had no way to get these videos back to people. Um, I think the like the short movies... Uh, that I had made were like a hundred meg or something like that. And, um, you know, even, uh, uh, the cost of blank CDs was still relatively, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that era would be eh, $5 per blank, something like that, you know? So it wasn't something that I could just burn a bunch of copies onto CDs and mail them to people. So, um, so, like I said, if when I think about what I was trying to do back then, you know, just using VCRs and a camcorder and a million wires and patch cables and adapters and all that stuff, uh, on one hand, it's pretty, I guess, impressive that we were able to get anything done. But on the other one, like like I said, compared to what you could do just with your phone today or whatever, it um, it's pretty terrible quality. Um, so now, I'm having to think here for a minute, but we got Mr. Moon Pie when I was living in that mobile home. So that would be the spring of 94, and I was born in the summer of 73. So I guess I was I was 20 years old at the time, and now uh, I'm 38. So I was 20 when I got him, and I'll be 38 this year. So Mr. Moonpie has been, I guess, part of my adventures for uh, half my life, you know. Um, and a lot of you guys know, your listeners... Uh, that I'm kind of a hoarder. I mean, I'm not um, like a hoarder you see on television. Like, I don't run across dead animals or things <laughs> in my house, you know, but I collect a lot of stuff. And when we moved this last time, I was looking for things to get rid of. And and I saw Mr. Moonpie, and I was like, well, maybe it's time to let him go, you know. And, and um, I've had my fun and the adventures, and now I'm just dragging around this giant stuffed animal. And... Um, so I put him in the donate pile, and then my wife came up and was like, well, you know, what are you doing? And, I mean, my wife, I mean, she, we do this jokingly, you know, but she knows I collect too many things, and she puts up with a lot of it. 
Um, and I try to keep stuff out of the living room and, and uh, you know, the main parts of the house. But I don't think she's ever stopped me before from getting rid of something like that. Like anytime I want to donate something to get rid of it, she is all for that. But, yeah, she stopped me from getting rid of Mr. Moon Pie. So I do still have Mr. Moon Pie. Um, he has uh, in the new house. Right now he's out in the garage, but I'm sure he's going to make his way up to the computer up here. And, and uh, he just kind of moves around the house depending on what's going on. So, um, but that's, that's the story of Mr. Moon Pie. He is still around. Um, he doesn't, uh, post on any forums or anything like that. Although he does have a account on the gas chamber. I've never <laughs> posted underneath them, but, um, just felt right after, um, you know, him being, uh, the co-sysop of the gas chamber BBS and, and posting on there. So you never know. He may, uh, he may show up on the gas chamber, so you need to go sign up on the gas chamber, set up an account, and you may run into uh, Mr. Moon Pie one of these days. Uh, but that's it. Uh, that's the end of episode 116, the story of Mr. Moon Pie, with a little bit about uh, Mr. Codfish, some other stuff thrown in there. Um, for the next, let me see what I have lined up here. Episode 117, which is going to be coming up sooner than later, is going to be all about copy fests. Those little parties we used to throw, us little naughty pirates where we would get together and trade software back and forth. And um, my experiences with those and setting those up and organizing them and uh, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be the next episode. Until then, this has been You Don't Know Flack. Thank you, as usual, for listening. Uh, you can get uh, new podcasts from podcast.robohara.com. There's an RSS feed. You can get it from iTunes. Um, if you need any of that information, again, you can get it from podcast.robohair.com. Uh, as always, I look forward to your feedback. If you have any feedback about the show, good, bad, whatever, send me an email, robohara at robohara.com. Uh, so until then, until the next episode, this is Flat signing off. I suppose if you're still here, you uh, deserve a little bonus track action. So um, here's a little shout-out to Leprechaun and Anacodia, who... Um, oh, the cat is just going nuts right now. The cat's very excited because he, she knows what's coming up. That's right. It's that famous dance tune dedicated to Mr. Moon Pie. This is Flax Three Foot Banana. Enjoy. This goes out to all the ladies out there. Some people say size doesn't matter. They're the ones that have an experience like story for bananas.
Oh, Go try my chocolate salty balls.